welcome to the Weird Thing Podcast, Episode 9, Hail Steve. I'm your host, Rich Blackett, and joining me today is Joachim. Hello. Jens. Hello. Suzanne and Frigga. Hello. Now, I believe you've got something to tell us about Hail Steve, Frigga. Many fantasy writers play with reality, magic, and religion. They can, because there are no boundaries when it comes to imaginative powers. Yes, it is considered a power. And humor. A wonderful combination the English fantasy writer Terry Pratchett was gifted with. Although his Discworld series is fantasy, already for a long time I think his books should be required reading for heathens, especially the ones who take religion serious. More than once, stuff in his book made me think, like in small books, in small gods, one of the books in the Discworld series. I love the heresy of Kumi the Smail, a religion a religious philosopher, and here I quote from the book. Where do gods come from? Where do they go? Komi theory was that gods come into being and grow and flourish because they are believed in. Any god could start small. Any god could grow in stature as its believers increased. <coughs> On the other hand, and this is my words, but also from the book, when a deity loses followers, they slowly become small gods and then, finally, diminish and disappear. And they will be forgotten, even by history. One could wonder, is this fantasy or reality? As humans, we need fantasy and humor. First there was animism, and from there on, on various places on the earth, it developed into religion. To me, religion is a man-made creation, which, is, which too often lack fantasy and humor. Luckily, heathendom has humor. Think only of Loki, the god of healing humor, amongst other things which might not always be considered that funny. However, I guess religion should change at least partly in the same pace as its followers. Trying to stick to the topic of today's episode, to me, as far as the gods are concerned, keep in mind that we humans shape the imaging of the gods to a large extent. Could we also bring new gods into being like Steve? But more about Steve later. I first would like to hear thoughts of my co-host, Thank you for that, Brigger. So to slightly summarise, we're talking about the development of heathenry. It can't remain static, and about how much we can invent. And that's a, that's a very loaded word even to say invent, because there are certain people within heathenry who will say, we must only use what we can find in the sources and nothing else. It's a very canonical approach. If it's not in the sources, you, you must not do it. But that's a very, very limiting approach, I think. And it's not the way for a, a belief system to grow, and certainly not a way for a belief system to become inclusive. I prefer the term to discover instead of invent or anything else. In my world, we discover the gods and we learn about them. And in heathenry, a strange thing has happened about roughly a thousand years ago, because 
On the one side, the stories are written down. They were fixed at that point. They were orally uh, traditioned until then. Probably very well, but they were still flexible. There was still always room to add things, to change things, to adapt things. So they were fixed by being written down. At the same time, people converted to a different, or roughly the same time, the people converted to different religions. So now it was the records of a former religion. And so it's been very frozen there. And until then, it was a living thing. And if we want to live this religion again, we need to revive this. We need to develop it and to discover more about the gods. So they are not the images from thousand years ago, but deities which help and assist us in our daily life nowadays. Yes, I think that sort of reflects the concept of a reciprocal arrangement or, or reciprocal arrangement as to how people interact with the gods. Because it's not just a one-way path because we gift things to the gods we make offerings to the gods and if that is the same with offerings and actual religious practice surely that will also be the same for how the gods interact with the world and our perceptions of them will also grow which is when we've seen that in the last hundred years and how people's perceptions of the gods has grown and changed and, and, and broadened in a, in a fantastic way. Yeah, because more people are starting to, to writing about it and, and to tell about it, what their experience are, how they perceive the god. And I think that is very, um, maybe even more important to me than what is in the Edda or, or one of the sources, because then you get a way broader image of them. And, and maybe how I perceive a god can be totally different from what another person perceives, which makes it interesting. I think it certainly makes for some very lively dialogue sometimes because we have so many gods and there are so many different ways to perceive them, to experience them, to have those deepening relationships with them. I think another aspect is that our culture now affects how we see the gods and, and maybe how they interact with us as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, the spirit of time, which is of great influence. I'm reminded of the Hindu concept of uh, you have multiple, multiple, perhaps infinite numbers of aspects of one god, whether they're a warrior or a father or a god of fertility and all the millions of other sort of potential aspects within that. And I, I wonder whether that is really where we're perhaps heading in terms of heathenry. I'd like to go back to the question you asked us and also refer to the quote Frigga used from the book Terry Pratchett. It reminded me to the book American Gods by Neil Gaiman, who is writing basically the same thing, which is that gods get forgotten and get smaller and smaller and less powerful, while gods who are believed in by a lot of people uh, grow and turn uh, bigger and more powerful and I think there are a lot of gods we have forgotten uh, and that we could uh, uh, connect with again on the other hand uh, there are all kinds of new issues that are uh, specific for this uh, this time Last week, I was at the queer pagan camp in uh, in the UK, and we talked about this same issue as well, which is interesting. Uh, and we came up with yeah, with what about the goddess of uh, of internet, for example? Is that a god or goddess that is already existing and have this new feature internet, or 
is there a new god specific for the for the uh, for the internet? And personally, I'm not quite sure. I'm still thinking about this uh, issue. I think it's a very interesting question to uh, to uh, to ask. I think my first thought on the god of the internet would be Odin. He's the god of hospitality, but also of madness and, and craziness. So. If anyone would fit that category, <laughs> you think of all these nice, welcoming, safe spaces, but also places which are full of the worst things ever. So yes, I think that's. Uh, I, I I remember having a conversation about the the the. Well, it's not. I wouldn't call it a curse, but the kind of the mixed blessings of Odin, which is like, oh, you want to learn things? Well, you will learn things, but also learn things you you wish you hadn't learned, along the same mm. way you, you can't. So I think so. Sometimes that's the sort of. Uh, Thing there, I mean, I wonder where that. But if there is another, you're talking about um, smaller gods or, or less one. Um, there's uh, somebody I know was talking about Vidar, who's barely mentioned. He's known as the Silent One. But this person I was talking to said they felt that that would be a route, or a, they felt inspired by that to do silent meditation, which had never occurred to me. I think you never hear about meditation in a heathen context. I thought that's yeah, but. Vidar the Silent One, and that was that was their takeaway from that, and that's a really interesting sort of thing because if that becomes a religious practice, that would be very interesting to see how that develops. Of course, meditation is a heathen thing. It's <laughs> we just call it meditating or something like that because it's one of the sadder practices that you just find yourself a big solid rock grounded in the soil, sit on it, and actually meditate. When it comes to the internet, I thought it's more a means of communication. I think it would not be right for the internet to have its one specific god. And then I thought about this issue that there is not a real god of the sea in the Nordic pantheon because it belongs to many of them. So of course, Njörder is quite connected to the sea, but Freyr is connected to the sea and Thor is connected to the sea. And it's just so basic and for the vikings well the sea was not the internet but it was the main main way to connect things there so they didn't have a specific god for that but it was just basic part of the world which was shared by everyone and every god so i think it should be similar with the internet but odin carries the most aspects of all gods we know about so it's easier to find him there everywhere oh maybe it needs a little bit more goddesses than only a male again <laughs> but yeah but it's also uh, as where the gods come from what i always find interesting to think about is and then i get back to to uh that we uh by large extent shape the imaging it is this this primal powers of fertility or com communication or or thunder that became personalized and well did it turn into gods or are it ancestors that turned into gods it, it, it will be an ongoing discussion i get which is great so there can be indeed many gods who are god of the internet i mean loki for example should be in there too for the for the <laughs> necessary humor <laughs> and chaos going back to what you started with, we talked about at the beginning about gods being developed or discovered i think is a much better word as as jens said the not rehabilitation but people have explored loki in the last 20, 30 years even, where prior to that, he was wrongly thought of as some kind of devilish figure or somebody who you, you didn't interact with and all that kind of stuff, certainly in what I've read. 
but that's completely different now completely different like the troth have accepted that sort of thing and very much seen as a sort of a a queer deity i guess is is possibly or or, or certainly uh, certainly in in that aspect that's been very interesting to see that yeah loki is a really good example of how, how the, the 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 way people look at at somebody in this case a god can change because indeed when i i became a heathen as you said he was seen as the devil and, and you were not allowed to invoke him i mean i've been heard many times that people were angry at me why well, i i had a good relationship with him but indeed nowadays you see way more people who, who think of, of loki as just being part of of the whole and an aspect of of the whole and i think there is also influence uh, from other traditions like first nation america where he is seen as a trickster and that's a completely different role and i think loki too uh, has many sides and and is as well I, I there's a reason why i call him the, the the god of the healing humor because humor can be so if there is a conflict and and you get to the point where you start laughing again you 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 feel the shift in the energy which is around yeah there is this point where scardi asked the gods to make her laugh now that you mentioned it so i was thinking it's not always healing when it's humorous but sometimes it is and that's a very explicit story about that when he was asked to make scardi laugh to heal that wound that i father had been killed and he does it in a very well rude way but it works well rude to who, whom only itself <laughs> i guess <laughs> and the poor goat <laughs> yeah that too sorry i forgot the goat, <laughs> the goat. I think I might say rude in the sense that it couldn't be shown uh you know on primetime television perhaps i'm very <laughs> glad this is a podcast and not a video cast i prefer not to see an artist's impression uh, to be fair <laughs> but yes i think the the idea of a the, Loki, but also people from previously excluded or people who felt excluded communities sort of seeing a deity they can identify with. Does that seem fair to say that? Yeah. Um, Loki to me is the obvious one. And it's good to see that more people are looking into it. And and I think, and then I get back to, to our own imagination and exploring and the, the, the spirit of time that we can look at the gods and goddesses or deities to to uh, not put them in in a specific gender or whatever uh, can look up to in in very very many different ways. And our whole way of of looking at male and female and that there is way more to it and that it is not not only binary uh, in also in nature. Yeah, that can we can. Why should it be different for gods? Anyway, the way how we look at gender now in Western. So society is very much based on Christianity, where there is a very strict binary. And in all other uh, civilizations, either now or that have been, there have been at least uh, three genders, and many times much more. That's also a thing which I have been thinking about for a long time. And here I quote uh, Terry Pratchett again. The trouble with being a god is that you've got no one to pray to. And think of that. Is there any human being who would listen to you as a god if you feel the need to complain about how you have to live up to expectations, how you look like, how to dress, what you eat, what you drink? And as humans... We usually don't like to be on everybody's tongue. And when people assume they know exactly 
who we are and what we are. We are not fond of gossip and backbiting. But what is the difference with our endless discussions about the gods? People are often convinced they know exactly who a deity is and how the poor bastard should behave, but based upon what? Some words written down centuries ago, at least partly by people of a different face, I think I said before, topped with a thick sauce of 18th century views and current cultural thinking like individualism. So the gods need supervision. <laughs> like every good therapist does. So it's a basic part of psychology. You must have supervision. <laughs> There must be the secret uh, supervisional powers behind them. Maybe that's the real function of the norms. Oh, I see them sitting, you know, at the, at the, the, the where they have their thing all together and <laughs> a therapist is coming. And <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be some potential TV show where you know the gods are going in disguise to some sort of earthbound therapist how are things going says, well we have a lot of family issues oh, i see yes yes <laughs> would you describe yourself as like an old family oh yeah 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 pretty much okay so that'd be, that'd be quite good fun but w what does this mean for uh, sort of inclusivity outside of loki and, and other sort of perceptions of deities what does that how does that sort of feed into inclusion and um that sort of you know, previously excluded communities or, or people? I think perhaps our perception of the gods is shifting with our own cultural perceptions as well. And the way that we are making strides in society or our, our current understanding of, of things like LGBT then affects our perception of our relationships with the gods. And for an LGBT heathen to then have to be able to feel safe enough to make that connection and to start developing a, a deepening spiritual path, I think, yeah, our, our cultures now is kind of affecting how those relationships go. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's in what you say, important that, that people feel safe to call upon the gods in different ways. Then what? But yeah, then then is written down by some modern heathens or whatever. Just feel free to 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 call upon them, because I think I read that somewhere in in my book, which <laughs> I'm still working on about uh, rituals. If if you as as a trans transgender person or or a, a, a LTB and the rest, killed back. I should return to that. It's way easier for a dyslexic. If if they don't want to listen to you because you're gay or, or whatever, they're not worth your attention, in my opinion. I think the diversity we see in our gods uh, is the same diversity we see in, we see in humankind. Like I said about uh, built back people, uh, there are lots of uh, gods who have uh, this uh, disability. Um, either physical, like tear of uh, who missed his arm, or Vullendar, uh, um, who um, walked uh, difficult, or Odar, who was blind, or Odin, who missed an eye, or Loki, of whom many say that he may have had um, psychological issues. Um, 
and we see that in humankind as uh, as as well. And to me, this representation of disability in our gods um, gives a kind of peace in the way that if we accept these uh, things in 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 our gods, it makes it easier to accept it in humans as uh, as well. There's also the emerging academic field in queer heathenry at the moment, especially in the last few years, mm. that um, academics have been looking at the emergence of queer heathenry, that being able to look at the Norse gods through a queer lens in theses and dissertations, in research papers, which then that kind of informs our practice as modern heathens as well. We can take those conclusions and reflect on them and maybe incorporate them into our inclusive practice. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that there's some very, very serious sort of articles, uh, sort of, or almost sort of dry, but very, very sort of serious sort of academic articles, not uh, sort of uh, sort of pop cultural things, but very, very serious ones, which have been extremely interesting, which I regularly share. Um, if only to aggravate uh, some people who have, should we say, less than good opinions. Uh, yes, that's indeed did very interesting. Um, I think Susan, you were there too. Uh, the 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 online lecture Erin Jeffrey Franks, do I mention her name correctly? Gave <clears throat> just a couple of days ago about queer Vikings. Yes, I did catch that. I felt it was a really, really interesting way of of looking at the gods through a queer lens and through current LGBT plus theory. Yeah, me too. I think it's good to look in different ways back at history. And what she said, that, that we have to be aware that, that how we look back, we look at through our uh, spirit of time and that we can't apply the way we think on, on, on uh, times in the past. I think I we think can't totally understand the times of the past anyway. So it's written in a dead language, basically. and even if I would learn this language and study very hard to get all that, I prefer to take a good translation. But even if I do that, I still don't really grasp all the concepts which are in there, which are in the words, how they really, how they've really seen the world, what was right and wrong for them. It's extremely hard to tell. And on the other side, Frigga, you said something like we shape our image of the gods. Yeah. I like to think of that in a different way as well. I see it, the gods reveal themselves to us in a human form so that we may understand them. Otherwise, we would not be able to understand them. So they make it just easy for us. But we also need our imagination to grasp all these revelations they give us. So again, it's reciprocal there. We must have this imagination to, we must have our antennas open to uh, to receive the message from the gods. Yeah, and that is also what I said before. I think it's it's important for uh, both us and the gods that, that there are much more people and not only one or two. Because we are all limited in our own ways of thinking. So gods need more people to, to, to show themselves and... and that they can be seen in different ways. One of the things I, I also um, 
find interesting, as Aaron Jeffries uh, Franks put it, was uh, Vikings did not write things down about themselves. It is always written down in later periods. So again, you have there, and I, I totally agree with what Jens said, we don't know how our ancestors perceived life. And we have to live it in our way with, with all the things of today. I mean, I think we need a god of climate change. <laughs> for example. <laughs> for her again. Sorry? Do we need a god for climate change or a god against no, climate change? I, I realized I said it in a... <laughs> <laughs> I said it exactly the, the opposite way that I I should say it. <laughs> we need a God for for climate uh, justice, social justice, and intergenerational justice <laughs> to become more aware. But I think we can find them in in all the gods or a lot of the gods at least that are around. And but you know, invoke them in in different ways there on that on that level as well. It'd be interesting to see which gods people felt discover which aspects of them uh, aligned with climate change. I would obviously think of Thor, protector of Midgard, that sort of thing. But also think of Ran and Agir, of course, of the sea and sea level rising and that sort of thing. That would be interesting. Um, but you could even make an argument for Freya in terms of, you know, what the effect it's going to have globally, you know, on fertility, Freya and Freya, perhaps. So perhaps all of the gods would be applicable. I think when it comes to climate, it's the same as uh, as the sea. Uh, we don't have one god uh, for it because it's far too important, and it has aspects of all parts of our life. So it would make sense to me, at least, to have several gods doing their bit when it comes to climate or sea. When it comes to discovering new gods. Uh, we even have an historic example for that, because as far as I know, the last one who kind of made it into the pantheon was Bragi. So he is the god of poets, but we also know that he's just a historic person who was an outstanding poet of his time. And after that, it stopped with conversion and writing down all this. We didn't discover any more, more of them. And I think it would be fair and good to discover new ones. But on the other hand, we have so, so many. We know little about many of them, but there are just so many gods that there is a huge choice and it's maybe easier to discover more about those where we mainly know the name. So, for example, in the Netherlands, we have Nehalenia, of which we know the name. And I don't know any story connected to her, but people discover and learn more about her in modern times. It's the only way to, to get to know the gods from which which you, uh, only a name passed down to us, whether it's it's a statue with a name on it or or written down somewhere. And it's it's yeah, she showed up in my life many years ago, and at first I had no clue who she was. But yeah, you start invoking her, and 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 I slowly get to know her, and you know, more people uh, are, are call a, calling upon her and telling how they perceive her, how, how she is, how... I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> there are um, uh, two... Um, these are historical uh, buildings, uh, two temples of her um, in the Netherlands rebuilt based upon other examples of Roman temples. And one is in the Ar Archeon, uh, uh, an archaeological theme park. 
and we were there uh, for a workshop and there were totally no visitors. So we got the key of the temple and we could go in there and, and you know, make a, do a small plot. And <laughs> one of the guys uh, who was there, he didn't, <laughs> one moment he said, um, she is showing herself in a totally bling evening dress, all glittering. And, and he really felt a bit uncomfortable for how should I respond and, well, just let it be. <laughs> So, yeah, the gods can show themselves in, in totally different ways than we expect. If we can think beyond Vikings and horned helmets, which are not even historical, they can show up in, in modern clothes and, and use modern stuff. I mean, there are images, isn't there, of Thor on a bike and Odin in, in a very modern suit and all these kind of things. So let's move on to yeah, how, how non-binary people, for example, dress, in, in which is not not. I love it to see the, the, how they gave ex, uh, give expression to how they feel inside. We can show see the gods in that way as well. Again, imaginary powers. I think that is so important and humor to to religion. I think it's a very almost an exciting time for heathenry as it goes forward. As we sort of develop from the seventies and eighties revival to where we are now with this growing awareness that the gods. We discover different aspects of the gods as our society changes, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and, and how the generations beyond ours starts picturing the gods, whether they picture them in 10th century clothes or business suits or blinged evening dresses. If they start picturing Njord in board shorts and a surfboard, I've no idea, but I'm looking forward to seeing these these new aspects and making deeper connections with them through those, those new images and other people's experiences as well. Now you say that, I wonder how it is for, for younger people. I mean, when we ended up <laughs> willingly or unwillingly in, in Hedendom, we talk about 30 years ago, there was only a little, there were no books or maybe in English, and, and so maybe then you have to, to rely more on what is in the sources and stuff. And now there is a, a, a hidden path. So younger people don't have to, to invent, reinvent the wheel again. Of course, they're most welcome to do so. So maybe they can rely much more on their imaginative powers than we did, which I think is great. Well, maybe I can tell a bit more about that because... I haven't been that long in heathenry or paganism. I think about 10 years. And I found a lot of basic information on the internet, but it was quite superficial. In a way, it's just the basic information and I would like to have more. I wasn't in the position to buy all kinds of books because a lot has been written, of course, but... Most books were quite expensive, and I, I just didn't have the, the money to uh, buy them. Nor did I have the money uh, to go to a library and to borrow them. And I didn't know any pagan or heathen people, so it was quite difficult still to come into contact with like-minded people, and it took time. And now it's even more simple i think uh, with all kinds of social media and groups that you can find and to connect with 
Oh yeah, there's so many books. I looked on on an internet sh shop, used the search word uh, "also true" and "hidden dom," and I was amazed. Book after book after book after book. Wow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is even so much that I yeah. But are these good books or not? Well, there's a recent thing that's happened where it's not quite done by computer, but these certain companies are churning out books on on anything to do with paganism or whatever, and you'll find this author who's probably not a real person will have written a hundred books on the tarot on druidry on paganism on satanism on you know on heathenry on on everything is it well even if they are super intelligent there's no way they could have written all of that in the last three years and a few people i know who've bought them it seems to be essentially either recycled content from wikipedia very lightly rewritten they'll just employ them to just to churn out a book that is a certain length and then they'll publish that and they'll get the profit and the person gets a flat fee because somebody's done, done some investigation of this and there's a number of these books that are just being churned out so you know unwitting new heathens and pagans are buying these books and then getting them thinking well this isn't very good i think the example i found was a book on heathenry where the two groups that the author recommended joining Oh, there's two great groups you can investigate. There's the AFA and the Troth side by side, which is just, well, that's clearly somebody who's done the briefest of briefest Google searches. Yep, that'll do, without knowing the deep history there. Well, at least the Troth was mentioned. But the fact that they were mentioned side by side as, oh yeah, as if they're, they're both the same. Yeah, and at the same time, I think we have to be alert, but don't have to worry about that much because as i always say in every religious field or whatever any field there are people who are you know you can trust and people who are such immorants that you have fun okay bye you never should go for one book always look around and read more and look a bit deeper into it I wouldn't no. say it had become easier i think the challenges have changed so it's not the challenge anymore to get information at all. It's the challenge to sort it and to sort the good from the bad one. But isn't that the spirit of time in general? I mean, there is a lot of fake news <laughs> that applies for hidden dumb as well. Yeah, it's not disconnected to the spirit of time. And we could sort this quite easily by providing a, I don't know, top 10 book list that we think Ethan's or people interested in heathenry should start reading with. You look around, you can find that information. It makes me think, is there a god of fake news already? <laughs> I think that's a giant, isn't it? That's not a god. That's a discussion. <laughs> oh, I, of course I know who it is. It's Ratatosk, going up and down the tree, whispering things <laughs> like, oh, you know what this person said? Oh, you know what this person said? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, absolutely it's Ratatosk. That's not a giant, but I have to admit that's more convincing. <laughs> I know as a friend of mine whenever he goes to sort of download things or pirate things on the internet his phrase is uh, I shall consult Ratatosk and see what he may provide so now we've concluded that Ratatosk is the god of fake news and all the gods are gods of the internet but where does this leave us in the future what are your I'd like to hear everyone's thoughts for the future about how people will discover more gods before we hear about the origins of Steve you know, there will be some finds of, of, of artifacts with names of gods on it. And maybe I, I, I can talk now about Steve. Is <laughs> how Steve came into being. Four years ago when we had a summer camp in Sweden, where rather at the beginning of that week, uh, a Danish academic, Janek Talbitzer, gave a talk. And the title of the talk was What's in the Name? How the Ancestors Perceived the Names of the Gods. 
uh, one of the arg arguments uh, he gave about the importance of, of names of gods was, yeah, otherwise we can call them Steve, but somehow Steve stuck and, and became rather a important figure in that entire week. He even got a role in a play and... And, you know, we start talking about him and saw some him uh, saw him as another name of Odin and others as, as, as a separate god of communication. I know even some of the participants made a little statue of him. So that is how gods can come into being. I don't think he is. Uh, he's still a very small god, I think. <laughs> but I know that if I put uh, Hail Steve on my timeline on Facebook, at least some people will respond with Hail Steve because they will remember Rich asked how we think that in future times we'll learn more about the gods. And I think the only way to do is to experience them and to share this experience with others. And that's just how it works. And I think it will be working. And maybe, as Frika said, we will dig up even more names of gods that are nowadays unknown to us. And then we can do what um, Jens said, talk about them. Uh, invite them and learn more about them and they will uh, become a more active part of our future pantheon. And I think for me it is all of those points and it's also as our society changes our relationship to God's changes and different ones come into focus and to the fore like we've talked about with, with Loki and especially with the like the rise of Queer heathenry, queer, um, queer heathens discovering those relationships because society's changing into a, a more accepting and supporting one. It's not there yet, but we're getting there. Allows those, those faith relationships to deepen. So I think, yeah, there are some gods that maybe we already know about whose understanding will deepen as we go forward into the future. And on that fantastic note, I want to say thank you all for participating. And if you want to hear more of our podcast, you can hear it on the the Weird Thing website, and we're on Twitter and Facebook and iTunes and Anchor and various other sites. Thank you once again for listening to the Weird Thing. Steve. <laughs> <laughs>